plumbing, and more. When your plumbing's hurting, just call Burton. Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. And Coors Light. Keeping Nebraska chill. Field position here inside the 30 for Thompson. And he's going right to the end zone. And it's going to be caught. Touchdown. Trey Palmer. Big play on defense. Big play on offense. That's Creed on the request line. Ralphie called in. He said he wanted to hear some Creed, and we got it for him here on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg. Don't sleep on my sacrifice. It's been a while. Where should we begin? It's Big Red Overreaction After Dark. The stream gets taken down. It wasn't my fault. Connor Happer <laughs> and Robbie Lula with you. Uh, and it's brought to you by Burton. When your plumbing's hurting, just call Burton. Back to the phones. We'll take your calls uh, for a little while longer here on Big Red Overreaction. We have Katie on the line. Hi, Katie. Hey there, guys. Thanks for having me on your show tonight. Hey, I was just calling. I'll leave the sports analysis analysis to you, and I'll leave the murder threats and the naughty time combo <laughs> to other callers. But, uh, I just wanted to talk with you a little bit about what was going on in my house tonight, which is that my husband and I both met at the university in the late 90s and have two kids, and we bleed Husker Red and watch every game, you know, win or lose. And uh, our kids just haven't understood, because in their memory as elementary kids, like, we just sucked. So (laughs) they have a really hard time understanding what it feels like when your team goes back-to-back and wins. and. It just felt so good to be like, this is it, guys. It was so quiet at our house. The iPads were dropped, and they were zoned in, and uh, they had a hard time going to bed tonight. So uh, thanks, Husker Nation. That was fun to celebrate together as a family, and uh, hope they practice well this week for the children. For the children. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Katie. Appreciate it. No, it's, that's uh, you know that's good. It, I mean, in a bigger picture sense, like you get the kids to put the I- iPads down. That's, that's hard to do. That's a dub. No, but Nintendo! Quit with your video games. Uh, no, but in a, in a, in reality, it is important because you know I, I know that there's not a ton of risk that Nebraska football becomes irrelevant in our state, at least, right? But not for our generation. Not for our generation, but there's a generation of kids that yeah. have never seen a good Nebraska football team, in at least that they can remember. And like, if you remember, you know, when you were a kid, oh, losses hurt. Losses hurt, and it was a the formative years of your fandom are younger than people realize. Yeah. Like the things you care about when you're like in elementary and middle school stick with you for so long. Yeah. And the kids that age group have really only seen bad Husker football. So if you have the ability, I mean, if you can, which we weren't capable of really as kids, but if you can, if you can tune it out and just not watch for a night, pick up an iPad instead of watching a bad football game. That hurts. That seems like a reasonable option, right? And th- and that hurts, you know, Nebraska that football ne- long term. Moving forward, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. So, um, you know, put a couple together, and I don't know, it, like, I thought all along that this was going to be a pretty forgettable season for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I guess after the first game, you know, we had we had reasonable expectations going into it. Yeah, but. Um, maybe it could be memorable. Who knows? You know, maybe they rip off a couple of At years. At least that's like, on the table remember, now. Remember the year where, you know, Mickey Joseph led this team to whatever they do at the end of this year? And you're right. It doesn't happen unless you get these two. And they did what they were supposed to do over the last two, and they did it 
in a way that I think will, you know, galvanize everybody in the locker room and and will certainly galvanize everybody in the state. And listen, at this point, and I know some people have said this before, every win's a good win. I don't care if it's Indiana. I don't care if it's Rutgers. I don't care if who's left on the schedule. Illinois, Purdue. I don't care who it is. You know, Nebraska can't be choosy about their wins right now. Any win is a good win. And anytime you can put two wins in a row together, because that has not happened much, that's a that's even better. If they could get three in a row against Purdue this upcoming week, that's literally not a thing that has happened in five years here. Yep. Three three wins in a row against anybody. Against any much less big any ten person. competition. Against any team. Then we're cooking, and we're not Russ cooking. We're not cooking with uh, NyQuil and the chicken. Bronco, no. Bronco country. No, we're we're cooking real. That's right. It's it's like a steak <laughs> or something like that, or at least a hamburger. On a grill. I don't know. Uh, back to the phones, we have Jared, who's next on Big Red Overreaction. Hi, Jared. Hey, how we doing, guys? Good. Another, uh, another good, well, I shouldn't say good win, but it was an ugly win, but a win's a win. Win's a win. First thing I want to say, I want to give a shout-out to a buddy of mine from work because he keeps giving me crap for the last time I called in. His name is Matt Weiscarver. <laughs> okay, yeah, shout-out uh, Matt. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good win, but it was a win nonetheless. I'm excited the way this team's played the last two weeks and given hope for the rest of the season. You should be, Jared. And, and like, and, yeah, for sure. And like previous callers have said, the only the only loss I can chalk up for a definite on the rest of the season is going to be Michigan. And I hate to say that because my family is either Iowa or Michigan, and I'm Big Red. Way to go, Jared. Stay strong, my man. Appreciate the call. Um, so what I mean, what if there's a world where you got to the point where they're able to build off of some of these games and whatever happens in the next couple to where and no, I don't I don't have any dreams of beating Michigan at this point in the year. No. But you know, where you could at least give it a second thought when you go into that game. Hey, if they do this and hey, if they do that, we're not gonna get steamrolled today. I don't I don't know. But this is what I'm saying. Like confidence is gonna mean a lot for this group. Sure. Um, and I can't get there with Michigan. I can, I've already gotten there with everybody else on the schedule, which is that's, an accomplishment. That's a total flip. That's a, a huge accomplishment, right? Because I came into we the season. We thought we were barreling toward one and 11. I certainly did. I, as soon as they lost to Georgia Southern, I looked at the schedule and I said, I don't know if I see a win on the schedule, uh, a w- another win left on the schedule or now I'm looking at it. Listen, could they lose to Purdue next week? Purdue and, and Illinois are a definitive step up from the yes, last two games, but those don't even matter unless you get these two, right? And as you build confidence, as you build a more competent football team, I think it'll improve your chances. I think Purdue is a better matchup for Nebraska than Rutgers is. Just style of play. Yeah. I think they're a better matchup. They're a better football team Purdue's overall. Purdue's a better football team, yeah. But they're also a better matchup. So maybe Nebraska's able – I can at least talk myself into that being competitive. I can't get there with Michigan yet, but I can get there with Iowa because Iowa can't score. I mean, we could have a 14-13 game with Iowa to go well, one way or another. We could have a conversation about Iowa. We could have a conversation about Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a bad football team right now. I don't know what they're going to look like under Jim Leonard, but right now they're a bad football team. Yeah, if I were to rank them by, like, least likely wins, uh, Michigan, Minnesota. Minnesota's my second least likely. Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois. Yeah, Illinois is playing good football right now. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. I, Illinois was not on my. And they my... play the style that you're not going to yes. you know. 
They play a, a very rough, tough, physical style. Very Bielema. That, yeah, I mean, they play like Bielema's Wisconsin teams used to play, right? Mm-hmm. And that never went well for Nebraska, even when Nebraska was competent at football. So, but you can look at those games and, listen, Illinois is not loaded with talent, even though it's a bad matchup. That's not a team that's overwhelmingly talented. So I can look at Illinois and say, okay, if things go right, I can talk myself into that game. I have a harder time talking myself into Minnesota. I can't get there with Michigan, but everything else is on the table. Yeah, you're going to find yourself in some four-quarter games, and and I think you know what you try to do is is Iowa it a little bit, which means muddy the waters. Um, you turn it into rock fight. Muddy the waters, get yourself to the fourth quarter, and then, like I said, see it, what happens. You you got Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer, and those guys can make plays for you. That's all it really is. It's like it's like those teams that play basketball that play the ugliest, grossest basketball games. I'm looking at you, UConn, yeah. that you possibly can, and then they hope that their one guy that's pretty good at making a shot can get you at the end. That's what you're at in Nebraska, and that's okay. Shout out James Booknight. Ugh. RJ, what was it, RJ Cole? RJ Cole. Ugh, yeah. gr- disgusting. Uh, but yeah, th- that's what you're hoping. You're you're hoping that Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer, maybe Anthony Grant breaks one. You know, you're hoping one of those playmakers that you like a little bit can make a big play at some point, and the rest of the time you're just gonna stick in it as much as possible. I think it's the formula. I think that's the formula for this team. Uh, back to the phones, we have Matthew on the Los Hills Harley Davidson Hotline. Big red overreaction. Hi, Matthew. Gentlemen, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, um. You know, I'm not ready to anoint us as national champions, nor am I ready to anoint Mickey Joseph as our long-term coach, but I want to give a clear shout-out to the players and the coaches. They have obviously been working their butts off, and and they obviously do that year-round and get little respect from people, and people are really quick to criticize them. And with all the turmoil they've been through and everything, I really want to give a shout-out to both the players and coaches for doing a great job. Hey, I'm with you, Matthew. <laughs> I'm with you right there. There's no doubt. And thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Hey, this doesn't work if they don't if, if they don't stick in it. Like, this yeah. could have easily been – Gone a, off the rails it pretty could, aggressively. It could have been a mass exodus yeah. after a couple weeks ago. And I think it's a testament to, you know, a couple of things. One of the things we talked about earlier, which is, you know, the – the Scott Frost of it all, mm-hmm. um, that guys stick around, and not only do they stick around, but they want to be coached, and they want to be coached hard, and they want to, you know, they want to be good and win, but they always wanted to be good and win. But you got to buy into that if you want to, you know, <laughs> if you want to have any sort of success whatsoever. And they were willing to accept the sort of circumstances in a screwed up season. Think about, I mean, Casey Thompson's probably going to be here for this year and this year only. Yeah. And that guy's going to fight through the entire season with injury. and He's already beat up. Whatever else is going to come his way this year. And, you know, there was all the talk in the offseason about who he is as, as a leader and, and, and the player's sort of relationship with him. And he sticks with it. He sticks in it. And it's not just a, you know, it's not just a business thing trying to make a, a bag or anything like that. I think that, you know, you're, you see the guys genuinely sort of care about each other. That matters. Well, I mean, I think something that didn't really get talked about at the time, but look at the look at the timing of when this happened, right? So, Frost gets fired after game three. They get blown out by Oklahoma in game four. If you only play four games, you can redshirt. There was no mass exodus of didn't people happen. 
transferring. Like it's You've seen a lot of other places. It's happening at Houston right now. SMU. or S- Yeah, SMU. Sorry, yeah. not Houston. It's Notre Dame had a guy this week. You're asking, it, uh, I think like 17 guys at SMU did it. Like yeah. a lot of people at SMU did it where they see the season is off the rails. They don't want to waste their opportunity to play college football for a wasted year. And so they say like, hey, I'm shutting it down. I'm out. And then they go transfer. They save their eligibility because they only played in four games. And the entire season for the entire team goes off the rails. That could have happened. That very easily could have happened. Your head coach got fired. You're already one in three, and there's no prospects on the horizon of being anything important on that year. And did a, I mean, I know there was some attrition prior to that, but you really didn't have a guy, any, anybody leave. <laughs> I don't think it happened really at all. I mean, like at Omar Manning, that was before that, I think, right? Yeah, and he's still here. Yeah, he's just not playing. Sure. But and he played tonight and got hurt. But yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't even <laughs> notice him, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. But. You didn't have any, any any of that happen. You know how easily that could have happened? Yep. Where you just have mass defections so people can save eligibility, and it'd be hard to blame them? None of that happened. Instead, everybody stuck in. That's a credit to the players. Yeah, credit to everybody. It's a credit to the coaches for getting them to buy in. And now, all of a sudden, you got back-to-back road games, for the, or back-to-back uh, Big Ten wins for the first time in four years. Uh, good, good point here by Big Huskers 402. Uh, undefeated since overall wearing blonde Herbie was reintroduced. The curse has been dot, 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 dot. dot, dot. Stay tuned. Interesting. Interesting point here. Interesting. Keep an eye on that one. Theories. Uh, We're getting theories. Back to the phone. It is Eric in Scottsdale who joins us now. Hi, Eric. Hey, fellas. Uh, Great show tonight. Great win. I'm actually here in uh, Clancy's Pub, uh, Husker Watch site. In Old Town Scottsdale, uh, we had a great time tonight. Uh, we had some Husker punch and and uh, Mickey margaritas, mm. and uh, mm. you know, uh, Coach Frost was actually here too, uh, enjoying the game. And uh, come on, you know, when when the Huskers had that, when they got the benefit of that uh, face mask call, about four minutes left, he cried out, you know, football God, why didn't you ever give me that call? But uh, no, it was a good win. You know, a lot of fun we had here, and. Uh, um, Coach Frosta with his buyout, he's bringing us all right now to the uh, Bottled Blonde in Old Town Scottsdale for uh, a couple <laughs> cocktails. So from all of us, uh, Arizona um, crew for Nebraskans, uh, go Big Red. Great win. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. That's not real, by the way. <laughs> not real. <laughs> Pretty funny call, though. Funny. Pretty funny. Funny. Yeah. Yes, but it, you know it's like those. Have you seen those stories that uh, PFT commenter has been making up this week from the yes. the Athletic? Yeah, that's like that. Yep, almost believable. Right there, but definitely, definitely not. Right there, yeah. Uh, back to the phones. We have Scott and Burwell on the line. Hi, Scott. Hey guys. Uh, yeah, I uh, just wanted to say, you know, I think uh, the whole team as a as a whole is really just did a, a great job of uh you know taking the adversity that this season has brought and just continued to to fight through that um i think bill bush has done a great job and uh i also think uh i think it's, i think uh i think they're kind of taking what scott frost did to them and kind of taking it to heart and uh you know i think i think mickey really has some things rolling he's kind of taking this uh you know, the problem, and he's turned it into a positive. And uh, I just kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts on that. And uh, I also think the offensive line is maybe better than uh, what uh, the 
uh, what the coaches thought. Yeah, thanks for the call, Scott. Here, here's the thing, and this is Mickey, right? This is Mickey's personality. Um, he's not going to point fingers in anything else, um, as much as he may want to. Sure, he's going to look at what he he knows what he is inherited, which is chicken. You know what? A tough situation. A tough situation. And the players listen to that guy talk, whether it's to to them or the media, and. We know when Mickey gets up there after the games and says, hey, look, this is my responsibility. This is on me. I got to get better. Like, that's that's what coaches are just supposed to say. Yes. And he takes responsibility for these things because that's what he is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And he's not talking about any excuses or anything else. And Being snake bitten. Yeah, man. It, it, and that's 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 a personality that I think the, the team, obviously, it's it's – Clearly, extremely refreshing to everybody listening to him talk. Yes. Um, but it, it's it's a little bit of a trait that this team certainly could use more of. And I mean, it's, that's a real thing. Mickey, Mickey, that's the way he lives every day. I mean, whatever situation he has built, he will attack it regardless of how bad it is or weird, how weird it looks. What I like about the way Mickey Joseph addresses these things is – there's this idea that if something is even 1% your fault, you should take accountability yeah. for it, right? And that's not what we've seen. It just isn't. That's my bad. What can I do better? Yeah. You have to take ownership for whatever role you played in what went wrong. And Mickey Joseph lives that out in a very authentic way. That we that is really refreshing because it's the exact opposite of what we just witnessed, where it almost se- seemed like unless something was one hundred percent someone's fault, yeah. they would not even take a shred of responsibility for it. Yeah. Whereas Mickey, there's some things that he may not even have a one percent fault in, and he's going to take responsibility for it anyway. When Mickey says, when Mickey says we got to do better, you believe him. Scott Scott started saying that. You know, after after a year or two when people are like, hey, Scott, you need to probably take a little bit more responsibility here and not blame everything on Mike Riley and, and what you inherited and stuff like that. It sounds weird. It sounds bad. And then he 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 sort of started saying that and you wouldn't really believe him. Like no, you, he, he would say what I would take. He would from say it. we got to get better. We got to do better as coaches. But it almost felt like he was saying it because somebody forced him to what it sounded like when he said it was when he said we, it sounded like he meant everyone else. Mm. When Mickey Joseph says we, it sounds like he means it starts with me and everyone else will follow my lead. Yep, because everything that happens under his under his program, under his watch, ultimately falls on Because him. that's a head coach's job. Whether you directly had anything to do with it or not, everything that happens under your watch as a head coach is on you. Positive and negative. You get all of the credit. You have to take all of the blame. It's your program. It is your program. It is your responsibility. You have to take ownership. And those are that is the biggest difference between these two human beings. And Scott Frost and Mickey Joseph is Mickey Joseph will take accountability and ownership for everything. Even if he doesn't have a shred of fault, he will still take it. Whereas Scott Frost would run away from any sort of accountability as far as he could. Yep. 
and you see the two differences in the results that you get from a football team. It's and it's and it's refreshing, and it doesn't mean that Mickey Joseph's the greatest coach on the face of the earth, but it is definitely refreshing. It is a much healthier <laughs> yeah. way to coach a team. Yep. Uh, back to the phones. We'll we'll do one more quick one here, and then we'll take another break. Come back. Uh, Big Red Overreaction is brought to you by uh, Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. To Kelsey on the uh, Les Hills Harley Davidson Hotline. Hi, Kelsey. Hey guys. Um. So I, I promise I'm not drunk, although I can't guarantee I won't sound like it because I am really excited and happy. Thank you for the promise. Um, but, <laughs> um, in in my, my natural inclination is to assume that we're going to win out and this is the greatest thing ever. And so I'm trying to think of reasons why that's not the case and bring myself back to reality a little bit here. And so I'm wondering if like, I was really excited about the adjustments we made at halftime, but I also remember the announcer saying something about how Rutgers is just a bad second-half team. So what, like, how do you figure out, you know, what's really us making adjustments and what is them just being a bad second-half team? Um, and i just like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, thanks, Kelsey. Appreciate it. I, that's, sort of, that's sort of the dilemma of these last two games. And for the record, I didn't think you sounded drunk at all. Not at all. That was very coherent. It all... All good. Didn't yeah. threaten to kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Super positive stuff. <laughs> and that, that's sort of the dilemma of the last two games. I, yeah. I don't. Neither, how much of it's the opponent? How much is it Nebraska? Yeah. Neither of the two teams that they play and that he, they played and beat beat were any good. Were very good. And here's the thing: it doesn't matter because Nebraska has been Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern. Yep. That's that's where you have to start is yep. because it has been so much less about the opponent, and Nebraska has shown over the past four and a half years, that they can lose to anybody. And we always try to do the transitive property thing and, and who beat who and, and who's defined as good or who looks good or who looks bad, and, and, and we pull out individual games. There's never a definitive answer to that. So the only, the only thing we have to go off of is whether you win or lose the game and your record that follows you. Nebraska's 3-3. Three and three. Are they worse than that? Are they better than that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You could make an argument for both. Yeah. To be honest with you, hundred percent. There will never be a definitive answer to that question. It and you know that's that's why football is really difficult because we've seen we've seen bad football games win football teams win ten games before. We've seen look Nebraska. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier in the week because I you know obviously hate myself. Um, <laughs> how many games would Nebraska have won last year if Scott Frost isn't the coach? They go to a bowl game, hundred percent. Uh that team wins like eight games. Yeah, that team I mean, wins like eight games last bare year. Bare minimum, they're in a bowl. Yeah, uh, that was a good football team. You could talk me into uh, up to nine. I think. Yeah. I think they lose Oklahoma. Yeah, because Oklahoma was better. I could have. Yeah, could have won that they game. Could have, the but yeah. I, it felt like Oklahoma was better. Um, and then was Ohio State. Yeah, I think those two for sure. Anything else? I'm open to it. Right. And that's that puts you at ten and two, maybe. So there's no way to definitively answer the question: Are you good? Are you bad? I don't know. We talked about it earlier, though. Very well, could be five and one if Scott Frost doesn't start the season as the coach. That's right. Very easily could be five and one. So I, it's an impossible question to answer, and and all we have to go off of is the game that you just played, and then you know the sort of combination of what you are in the season. Now Nebraska has a new season that started just a couple weeks ago. Um, Nebraska's. For all intents and purposes, Nebraska is two and zero. 
right now. I mean, that's sort of how you'd probably need to look at it. This is the new version of this team. Yeah, after the bye week. After, yeah. after the bye week and after the, the you know the firing of Shenander and the change that way. Um, you know, so there, you'll never know the answer. Are you good or bad? And how good is your opponent or how bad is your opponent? We saw, we saw Indiana beat Illinois. I think Illinois is probably the favorite right now. Or, or I think not, Illinois is a pretty good football not team. Not the really favorite, do. but they're, they're one of the top probably two teams in the Big Ten West playing like it right yeah, now. Yeah, Minnesota and that Illinois. That team lost to Indiana a couple weeks ago. And Indiana might be pretty bad. So what's what? I don't know. You know, and, and that's that's the, the margins that Nebraska plays in right now. And it works out to your advantage if you can win games in the margin. Nebraska has been nonstop losing games in the margin yes. the last four years. And – you know, if you can prove that you can win those games, regardless of who they're against, it doesn't matter, man. You, you you take the wins wherever you can get them. Well, and the thing about it is a lot of teams in college football are all kind of in this middle of the bell curve, right? Totally. You have really, really bad football teams, and you have really, really good football teams, and most teams fall somewhere in the middle where they could go 4-8 and eight one year when things don't really go their way, or they go 8-4 and four when things kind of break their way. And so there's not a ton of difference between a lot of those teams, except for things like finding ways to win or finding ways to lose. Special teams. Special teams, <laughs> turnovers, penalties. Yep. Talent-wise, there's yeah. not a ton of different, especially when you're talking about Power 5 football. Yeah, You get to like Group of Five, you're talking about different stuff. But in Power 5 football, a lot of those teams, talent-wise, are not a whole hell of a lot different. It's about things like execution, and finding ways to win games rather than shooting yourself in, a, in the foot and giving way, games away. That's Robbie Lula. I'm Connor Happer. It's Big Red Overreaction brought to you by Burton. When you're plumbing certain, just call Burton. We'll take a quick break here. Uh, Mike, Matt, Nick, and whoever's calling next, uh, hang on the line. We'll get to you on the other side. It's Big Red Overreaction on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg.